Happy Easter Valley family. I've seen that video about 20 times and it still gives me chills uh, every single time. Uh, what a great story and celebration uh, this is as we gather here today to celebrate uh, not just that our Savior died in our place, but that he rose again. Uh, on the third day. That's what Easter, that's what the resurrection is really all about. And if you have your uh, Valley Christian Church apps, if you'll go ahead and open those up, you can follow along uh, with the message today as we talk about daring to believe. We've been in this series, this is actually the seventh message uh, in this series, Daring Faith, and, and I thought nothing more appropriate on Easter celebration than to talk about daring to believe. And so I want to start by reading this story. It's probably somewhat familiar to you uh, of the account of that Sunday, that resurrection morning. In John chapter 20, beginning in verse 1, it says, Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. Now, this is pretty interesting. That's the disciple John. He's the one who's writing this. He always refers to himself as, I'm the one that Jesus loved. Kind of just an insider little thing there. So anyway, she said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. And Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. And they were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and he looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. And then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Now let me just ask a question. If you were a grave robber, why would you wrap the linens from the body you just stole. Makes no sense, does it? But just that little detail is so significant that they found the grave clothes that Jesus had been uh, buried in, wrapped in, folded nicely on the slab there. Just a little detail, we go over so quickly, but realizing, hmm, didn't sound like the person was in a real rush, did it, to get out of there. Almost as if Jesus just pulled him off, wrapped him up, and said, okay, here we go. And moved the stone away. In verse 8, it says, then the, disciples, then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw, and he believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said, Jesus must rise from the dead. He had to rise from the dead. If anything that Jesus said was going to be taken as truth, he had to rise from the dead. It wasn't really an option. And it's so interesting that the Bible tells us here, even John who wrote this, in his account, he said, I didn't even believe until I saw the empty tomb. I didn't understand until I saw the empty tomb. And then he dared to believe. And so I guess the question for you and I today is this. Do you dare to believe? Do you dare to believe in the resurrected Jesus Christ? During our time together, I want to answer just two questions. The first is, what are the benefits to you and to me for believing in Jesus Christ? 
What are the benefits to believing that Jesus actually did step out of the tomb three days after being crucified? And then the second question that I want to answer is this. What does it really actually mean to believe in Jesus Christ? Because I think based on the way we use the word believe, the Bible says it takes a little bit more than just believing in Jesus Christ. But we'll get to that in just a minute. I want to start out looking at John chapter 6, verse 29. The Bible makes this very, very clear how important it is that God wants us to dare to believe. It says, this is what God wants you to do. Believe in the one he has sent. And I kind of had them make that capital and a different color and, and all that. Because God wants nothing more. God wants you and I to believe in the one that he sent. Jesus Christ, his son, God himself. And so four benefits to believing in Jesus. I probably, if, if you had three or four hours, I could go through about 50, but, but we're gonna keep the service to one hour, all right? But four benefits to believing in Jesus. Here's the first one. When you believe in Jesus, everything I've ever done wrong is forgiven. Everything that you and I have ever done wrong is forgiven when you believe in Jesus. He's the one. Because of, of his perfect life, his sacrificial and substitutionary death that we talked about on Good Friday, then his resurrection. When we believe in Jesus Christ, everything I've done, past, present, and future, is forgiven. In Acts chapter 10, verse 43, it says, all who believe in Jesus will be forgiven of their sins through Jesus' name. But it takes belief. If we believe in him, we're forgiven. If we don't believe in him, we're not forgiven of our sins, and we still have to pay the price for our own personal sins. But if we believe in him, he extends forgiveness to us. Everything that I've done, every time I've messed up, every time I've fallen short, every time I've uh, failed the Lord, every time I've acted selfishly, instead of the way God wants me to do, to be other-centered and loving my fellow man the way that he wants me to, Every, t every one of those instances is forgiven when I believe in Jesus Christ. The second benefit to believing in Jesus Christ is I learn God's purpose for my life. You're here for a purpose. God gave you life for a reason. You're not an accident. I like to say this. There, there is no such thing as accidental children. Accidental parents, yes, but no accidental children. That, that, that God is the giver of life, and he has a unique purpose for every single person. In fact, the Bible puts it this way in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, uh, in the message translation, it says, everything, absolutely everything, got started in Christ and finds its purpose in him. Isn't that amazing? I, I know far too many people, and I bet you do too, that are just wondering, what am I here for? What's my purpose? Why do I exist? But the Bible tells us we discover our purpose when we believe in Jesus. Anything short of that, we're just kind of trying to figure it out all of our life. But when we believe in Jesus, he begins to lead us into the purpose that God created you for and God created me for. When I believe in Jesus, 
Everything I've done wrong is forgiven and I learn God's purpose in my life. The third thing is this. Third benefit, I get God's strength for daily living. I get God's strength for daily living. And and you know what? Uh, I'm coming up, May will be 26 years that I've been a pastor. And, And one of the things that I've noticed over the last 26 years is this. I think this may be the greatest, most felt need that people have today, myself included. Strength just for daily living. So many of us are exhausted. So many of us are just worn out. And it's the pace of our culture. It's the pace in the world that we live in. And yet when we believe in Jesus, he gives us strength to face anything and everything you and I will ever face in a day. I get God's strength for daily living. Because we're exhausted, you know why? Because so many times we try to live life in our own strength. We, we, we try to do it all on our own instead of the power of God that he wants to release in our lives. And it happens through believing in Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 29 puts it this way. God gives power to those who are tired and worn out and he offers strength to the weak. Are you, are you weak today? I know, it was, I, I know it's a Saturday, you know. But are you kind of worn out anyway? kind of just weary, God wants to give you strength. He offers strength to the weak. The reason why so many of us are worn out is because we're not plugged into the source of power. You know, just like a toaster is worthless if it's not plugged in, a a phone, if it's not charged, it doesn't last very long, does it? Are are you like me? There's something about my my charge on my phone. If it's at 100%, I feel it 100%. But man, it starts going down to like 10 or, you know, it goes that red. All of a sudden, I'm like, can't make it. Need coffee. Am I the only one like that? But just like we need to be recharged, our phone needs to be recharged. Guess what? We need to daily be recharged by God's power. Once a week is not enough. An hour a week for a charge, that's just, that's just not going to cut it in the world we live in. Sunday's just not enough. We need a daily charge of God's strength and God's power. I love how the Apostle Paul put it as he wrote the book of Ephesians. God was speaking through him to the Christians there in Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter one, he put it this way. I pray that you'll begin to understand how incredibly great his power, that's God's power, is to help those who believe him. Do you notice where, there it is again. Those who believe in Jesus, those who believe in him, God gives power to, to face the day, to help those who believe him. It is the same mighty power, watch this now, that raised Christ from the dead absolutely mind-blowing when you think about it, that the same power that raised Christ from the dead, God wants to make that power available to you and available to me. And he does it how? By our faith in Jesus Christ. By believing that he really was who he said he was and that he really did what the Bible tells us that he really did. What do I need power for? What's the purpose? What what, what do I really need power for? What what do you need power for in life? There are some things 
I think if we're all honest, there's some things about each of us that uh, we really don't like that much. There's some things that if we just had the power, we'd like to change about ourselves. Some things about our character. And we're like, you know what? I've tried in my own strength. I've tried this. I've tried that. And it just seems like I can't change. God has the power to break those habits, to, to break out of that rut, to change and to shape our character and the essence of who we really are. I don't know about you, but I need that kind of power in my life. The same power, the Bible says there in Ephesians, that raised Christ from the dead. God wants to make it available to you and available to me. Resurrection power every day of our lives. Philippians chapter four, verse 13, talking about I get God's strength for daily living. It says, I have the strength to face all conditions by the power that Christ gives me. What a great promise. That you and I have the power to face anything and everything that this life will ever throw at us, not in our own strength, not in our own power, but in the same power, the power that Christ gives me. Jesus gives us power. And he wants to give you power when we believe in him. Power to face loneliness. Power to face pressure. Power to face guilt. Power to face shame. Power to face boredom. Power to face rejection. Power to overcome bitterness. Power to forgive. Power to start new. Power to be born again. I have the strength to face all conditions by the power that Christ gives me. Power to face a financial crisis. Power to face a health crisis. Power to face a relationship crisis. Power to face a marriage crisis. That's what God wants to make available to every one of us. One of the benefits to believing. Where does the power come from? It comes from God when we believe in Jesus Christ. That's where the power comes from. It's not my power. It's not really your powers. It's none of our powers. It's the power of Jesus Christ that we could live the life that he intended for each of us to live. Here's the fourth benefit of believing in Jesus Christ. I'm guaranteed eternal life. I'm guaranteed eternal life when I believe in Jesus Christ. See, the whole thing about the resurrection is this. It, it proves that Jesus really was God. <laughs> you know, so many times I, I've heard people say, you know, I'm okay with Jesus. You know, he was, he was like a good teacher. I'm okay with that. The only problem with that understanding is he didn't give us that as an option. Because he really, if all he was was a teacher, he wasn't a good one. 
because he numerous times made outlandish claims. He didn't say he was a teacher. He said, I'm God. That, that, that's no small thing. How, how about if I just announce right now, uh, by the way, some of you think I'm Greg Williamson. I'm not. I'm God. Worship me. See, all of a sudden, that's a problem. That's a real problem. All of a sudden, Greg's a looney tune. He's a, he's a lunatic. Either that or I'm, a, I'm an absolute con man. If all Jesus was was a good teacher, he's the biggest fraud ever perpetrated on humanity. And for over two millennia, people have literally given their lives for that fraud. There have been a lot of people that have come and gone all throughout history that claim to be God. There's only one who said, I'm God, I'm going to be killed, and I'm going to resurrect from the dead. Only one. And he did it. Jesus Christ. No one else. No other religion even attempts to make that kind of claim. Only Jesus Christ. And it's pretty interesting. There's enough uh, eyewitness accounts of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that would hold up in any court of law if there was such a proceeding. Over 500 people witnessed Jesus Christ resurrected after his death. 500 people. 500 eyewitnesses. Think about that for just a minute. Case closed. Dismissed. Because we believe in him, we're guaranteed eternal life. Jesus is either Lord, he's a liar, or he's a lunatic. But he does not give us the option of thinking he's just a good person. No good person would ever claim, I am God. He either was, or he was lying or he was a madman. The other thing about the resurrection is this. It proves that Jesus keeps his promises. He said he was going to resurrect from the dead, and he did it. And because of that, it also proves that there is life after death. He faced it, he beat it, and he came back again. It guarantees eternal life for you and for me as well. Listen to this claim that Jesus made in John chapter 11. No good person would make this claim. Only God. John chapter 11 verse 25 says, I am the one who raises the dead and gives life to them again. Wow. Anyone who believes in me, even though he dies like anyone else, shall live again. That's a big statement. A very big statement. He is given eternal life, how? For believing in me and shall never perish. That's what Jesus said. Those are his words recorded for you and for me. No one else has ever said this because no one else has ever raised themselves from the dead because no one else is God. (laughs) Only Jesus could make this outlandish claim And then prove it three days after a Roman crucifixion. I'm guaranteed eternal life. You know the verse. It's probably the most quoted verse in all the Bible, isn't it? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him, 
That's the key. Believing that he really was who he said he was and that he really is who he says he is. That he himself is God. See, here's the thing about believing, and and this kind of starts leading me to answering the second question. We think, in our culture, believing means mental affirmation. Yeah, in my mind, I believe Jesus is who he said he is. But but that's not the essence of what the word believe actually means in, in the original language of the New Testament, which is Greek. The Greek word for believe is very, very different. In fact, believing is not enough to spend eternity with Jesus. Could I just put it that way? Believing is not enough. Just just a mental affirmation, he is who he says he is, is not enough to go to heaven and spend eternity with Jesus. Uh, Let me ask you this question. Do you think there are gonna be demons in heaven? Do you think Satan's gonna be in heaven? Because the Bible makes it very clear both of those believe in Jesus. So, so a mental affirmation that he is who he says he is is just not enough. It takes a little bit more than that. Look at James chapter two, verse 19. The Bible makes it real clear. Do you believe that there's only one God? Good, the demons also believe and tremble in fear. So now we got ourselves a problem. Eternity's gonna look a lot different if all you have to do is have a mental affirmation that Jesus is God. But that's really not what that Greek word believe really means at all. The Greek word for believe is the Greek word pisteo. It means believe, but it also means trust. It also means to put your faith in. And it also means complete reliance upon. Now that's different than just mental affirmation. Yeah, I believe, yeah, Jesus was who he said he was. The Bible word for believe means I completely rely upon him for everything. Now that's belief. And that's what the demons don't do. (laughs) Completely rely upon him for everything. So what does it mean to believe in Jesus? What does that really look like to believe in Jesus? Because if, if, if all these benefits are ours, if we believe in him, I don't know about you, I, I really wanna make sure that I do. I, I don't wanna just say yes in my mind, but it never makes that belief, never makes that long journey of about 18 inches or so into my heart. And so what does it really look like? What does it really mean to believe in Jesus? I, I tried to make this simple so you'd understand it. Use a little acronym here. It means trust. That's what belief means. It means to trust in Jesus. But let's break it down now in the remaining time that we have together. What is trust? Well, the T stands for turn everything over to Jesus. That's what it means to believe in him. Turn all of our life over to Jesus, not just a Sunday morning, not, not just in a small group, but turn all of our life over to Jesus. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, month in and month out, year in and year out, trust him. Turn everything over to Jesus. Romans 10 verse nine puts it this way. Say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart 
that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Now, now this word Lord is kind of tricky for us, particularly as Americans. We, we, we don't like to, we don't use the word Lord or lady or, you know, uh, Duke or something like that, unless you're watching what that Downtown Abbey place, what is that show there? Downton Abbey that I'm subjected to by the women in my house on a regular basis. Because we're in a democracy, we like to think, hey, if I don't like the leader, I'll just vote him out. I'll just change him. But, but this word Lord, say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. It means Jesus is my master. Jesus is my boss. Jesus is my king and he's not running for re-election. That's the teaching of Scripture. That the, that the whole thing is, it's not if I'm okay with Jesus. The big question is, is he okay with Greg? He's the Lord. And so when we realize what lordship really means, this verse sounds a little bit different, doesn't it? Say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Then you will be saved. That he's my master. He's my boss. He's the king of my life. Lord means, you know, you see sometimes you're driving around and, and, and you see a, a, a business locally here that's gone out of business. They've, they've sold and someone else has bought the business and they put up a sign. What do they put up in the window? Under new management, Right? That's what lordship means. That, that when we believe in Jesus and we receive what he's done for us on the cross, our life now is under new management. We have a new owner. Greg's no longer the owner of his life. Jesus is. I'm no longer the boss of my life. Jesus is. And, and I think for some of us, we, we just need to hang that sign in the window of our life under new management. Say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And then you will be saved. Turn everything over to Jesus. The R in trust means relax in his love. Relax in his love because here's the thing. He's a loving king. He, he's not a, a, some kind of a stuffy potentate that just demands things from us. He's a loving king. Relax in his love. And I chose that word relax because for a lot of us, we strive, we try to earn love. All we've ever known in life is trying to earn love, do something so that we would deserve love. But the reality of Jesus' love is this. He's already done so much for you and so much for me. There's nothing we can do to earn it. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves me. Romans chapter eight, verse 38 and 39, I love how the Bible expresses the love that God has for us. Nothing will ever be able to separate us from his love, nothing. Death can't, life can't, the angels can't, demons can't, our fears for today our worries about tomorrow, 
And even the powers of hell can't keep God's love away. And it goes on and it says, whether we're high above the sky or in the deepest ocean, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. See, that's what, when we look on the cross of Jesus Christ, we're overwhelmed by his love that the king became the servant, that he came to lay down his life for his subjects, that we would find freedom from sin. That's how much he loves you. And that's how much he loves me. We need to turn everything over to Jesus and we need to learn how to relax in his love, to live in his love, to, to, to live in such a way that what we do with our life glorifies him. Not to take that for granted, but to realize that if, if, if he could speak to you audibly today, he would tell you this, I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. That's the love of Jesus Christ. Learn to relax in his love. The you in trust means use my life to serve God by serving others. Use my life, use your life to serve God by serving others. But because we, we, that's how we serve God, by serving others. Every single Sunday, every single Thursday, every, even tonight before we have a service, I gather with some of the leaders uh, in my office and we pray. And, and I always pray this. I say, God, I just pray that you pour out your grace upon every single person serving the Valley Christian Church family today because they're really serving you while they serve those in your church family here. Muse my life to serve God by serving others. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 puts it this way. God has made us what we are and in our union with Christ Jesus, he has created us for a life of good works, which he has already prepared for us to do. I remember the first time that this dawned on me, God's got a list. God's got a honeydew list. For every single one of us, it's like, Greg, honey, I love you, and here's some stuff I have for you to do in your life. And he wants us to work on the list. He's not going to love us less if we forget some things off the list, just like I don't always get to everything my wife has on that same you know, kind of honeydew list idea. He doesn't love me less, but he wants us to complete the list. He has prepared stuff for you and I to do in this life. And here's the thing. You're not going to see him one moment sooner than the list is complete. When the list is done, he takes us home. The fact that you and I are still breathing right now means there's still some stuff to be done on our list. The good works that he's prepared for us ahead of time. And so we use our life to serve God by serving others. The S, what is the S in trust? You ready for this one? Suffer for doing what's right. When you and I make the decision that we're going to trust in Jesus, we're going to really believe in him, 
We're going to rely upon him. You know what's going to happen? We're going to suffer some. Is there any group in our nation today that is more, is more acceptable to be the brunt of a joke than a Christian? Is there any other group in our culture and society which is ridiculed and mocked and it's okay? No problem. No problem at all. Suffer for doing what's right. Philippians chapter 1 verse 29 puts it this way. For you have been given not only the privilege of believing in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. And guess what? It's always been like this. For 2,000 years. Those who put their faith in God, those who, who believe in Jesus Christ, have always suffered. I'm thankful that, that we only suffer ridicule. What does that mean for us as Christians? We just need to get kind of thick skin. That's what it means. I'm thankful that in our nation we don't suffer physical harm, as some do throughout the world today, because they believe in Jesus Christ. Do you know that there were more Christians martyred in the 20th century, the 1900s, for believing in Jesus Christ than in all the centuries since Jesus Christ combined? That's the reality of our world. More people gave their life because of their faith in Jesus Christ in the 20th century than all the previous 19th centuries combined. Just because we are not required to do that here in this nation, I'm so thankful for it. But this is so much more kind of status quo every day for believers in other parts of the world. For you have been given not only the privilege of believing in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. What does it mean to believe in Jesus? Trust. Turn everything over to Jesus. Relax in his love. Use my life to serve God by serving others. Suffer for doing what's right. And here's the, the fourth thing, or the last one, the T in trust, rather. Trust what he says. Trust what he says. Trust that, that when we open the pages of Scripture, we can really trust when we read the words of Jesus and when we see what God's words are, that we can really trust them because he has always made good on his word. Psalm 33, verse 4, puts it this way. For the word of the Lord always holds true and everything he does is worthy of of our trust. Everything that he does is worthy of our trust. You know, if, if he wasn't resurrected, we would doubt. We would have a, a reason to doubt. But three days after he was crucified, he stepped forth as the conquering king over death. The word of the Lord always holds true and everything he does is worthy of trust. John 1 verse 12 puts it this way, but to all who did receive him, that's what we have to do, receive Jesus. To everyone who did receive him, him who believed in his name, that's what we've been talking about, what does it mean to believe? He gave the right to become children of God. Common misconception that people have is that 
humanity, we're all God's children. That's not the teaching of Scripture. Not in this place and not in a lot of other places throughout the Bible. We become God's child when we believe in Jesus Christ, when we trust in him. Let's look at what it says again. But to all who did receive him, that's Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so I ask you, as we consider an empty tomb today, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you dare to believe that he really is who he said he was? Do you dare to match your belief with action and say, you know what? Not just mentally do I believe it, I'm gonna begin to live like it. I'm gonna allow in my heart that I'm gonna trust Jesus Christ. Trust him completely. Here's the awesome thing about how much Jesus loves you and loves me. He wants you to believe in him. He wants me to believe in him. But here's the thing that blows my mind more than anything else. He believes in you. He believes in you. He believes in me. That's why he came. That's why he lived. That's why he suffered. That's why he died. And that's why he rose again. Because he believes in you. And he believes in me. And what he wants more than anything else is that we would believe in him the same way. Will you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the empty tomb. We thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to live the life that he lived without sin, to die the death that we deserved as a sacrifice, and that, Lord, he rose again, defeating death. Lord, I pray in this moment that each and every one of us, perhaps if we've never done it before, would make that decision that not only do we give a mental affirmation that Jesus was who he said he was, but Father, we begin to trust you and our Savior Jesus as our King. And we live with belief in our hearts to trust him completely and to rely on his power in our lives wholeheartedly. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I wanna ask you to do something for me right now. If I could just hold on just a second. When you came in today, there was a little communication card on your seat right there. And if you're a first-time guest, or maybe even a second-time guest, I'm gonna ask if you just take a minute and fill that out because we'd like to uh, just, just warmly welcome you here to Valley Christian Church in just a minute as we conclude. Something more importantly than that, though, on the back of it, you'll see a number of questions there. If you're here for the first time and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ before, 
I'm going to ask you, would you just check off that first little box there? Today I'm accepting Jesus Christ as my Savior. What a great, great Easter it would be, that opportunity. that Today would be the day that you believe in Jesus Christ for the first time. In fact, guys, I wonder, could we put up that last slide, that prayer that I had prepared? And this is also on your app as well. A simple prayer that you could pray that, that really is a prayer of faith in believing Jesus Christ. It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I trust and I follow you as my Lord and Savior. Guide my life and help me to do your will in your name, amen. There's nothing magical about that prayer. There's nothing powerful really about that prayer. It's just simply a statement of faith in believing Jesus Christ. And if you pray that prayer for the first time, just please check that off. And in just a minute, you'll get some instructions uh, about what you can do with this communication card. But especially for those that for the first time are saying, I'm accepting Jesus Christ as my Savior, we've got some great information that we want to email you just as soon as the holiday is over about how you can continue to grow in faith in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you.